Previously on the Loyal Littles podcast. If you could squirt any condiment out of your finger, what would it be? Is wine a condiment? Uh, you know, I'm going to say in this, yes, it can be. I mean, it's not, um, but we can, we can not make it. Really? But I mean, I guess you do cook with it. You do. Back to the Loyal Littles Podcast. On the WTFC Podcast Network. Hey, Roxy. Hey, Chuck. Hey, Hey, Littles. Littles. Roxy. Chuck. Happy April Fool's Day. Happy April Fool's Day. Now, you're not going to be mean to me, right? I'm going to try not to be. I mean... At least no more than usual. Whoa. All right. Well, we don't (laughs) normally... Littles, do you celebrate April Fool's? I have sometimes. I will say this. I miss on PTI... When obviously it's a Saturday, sorry, yeah. today's Saturday. Yep. And when they don't get to do it on PTI, it mm-hmm. really bums me out now, mm-hmm. except for the fact that I know it's coming. Yeah. I will never forget the year. It was like the first time they ever did it that I knew of. Mm-hmm. And I, they got me. Yeah. They got me. Yeah. I think the first one, I don't know if it was the first one, but I remember the one when it was Derek Dreeter, breaking news, got traded to the Red Sox. Whoa. Yeah. And they had, they had a picture of him in a Red Sox jersey (gasps) in the little box where the timer is and everything. Wow. And they went on for two and a half minutes on why this is a good trade for the Red Sox and not the Yankees and blah, blah, (laughs) this. And they didn't really get much in return for him. Uh I mean, they did this whole thing and then it was like, ding, the bell went off and he goes, do you want to tell him or should I? And he goes, April Fool's. Wait, that's amazing. Yeah. So they've now done that a lot, you know, especially when it falls on a weekday that they're recording. Uh So obviously this year it couldn't happen because it was on a Saturday. But um, I don't know. I just always I like that. But I don't like it when they're done to me personally in the person. (laughs) So Roxy, lay off. okay? (laughs) All right, Roxy. Jam packed episode again. And we know what that means. But first, let's get to a few emails regarding our last show. We heard from Brad Phillips, 184. My new best friend, I think. (laughs) It says, I had to stop today's episode at the 214 mark to say I'm episode 184, not 114. If only I was top 115. (laughs) Well, doesn't he mean top 110? Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Here's my favorite part. P.S. I've got your back on the talking heads. Hashtag might as well be sand. All right. Do that with what you want, (laughs) Lils. Then we heard from Todd Takei, episode 115. He says it was me. Seriously, who else other than Colpine would give you shipping tips? <laughs> and there's also shipnerd.com, that's right, where you get not as good FedEx discounts, but your first use gets you $10 off. Oh. So there's another yeah. little, you know, maybe we can get a code from them. Maybe. That's a pretty good deal. That'd be great. And then we heard from Bob Purcell, episode TBD, mm-hmm. who sent a picture of his shoes. <laughs> I've never gotten more pictures of shoes in the emails. Get in the used last, to it, oh Chuck. Oh, my gosh. He says, so with all the talk on both shows about shoes, I decided to add another pair of hokas. Nice. Is that how you say it? Hookahs? Hokas. Hokas. Okay. Hokas are good. I've heard great things about them. Not what I use, but they're great. And then Roxy. I love it when littles come crawling back. Oh, who now? Crawling back to us. We heard from Ryan Russell, episode TBD. Oh, should have been like episode 100 something. Probably. Right. I don't even honestly remember. No, it's probably less than that. Probably, he probably less than that. Probably less than the hundreds. Happy to come on, and I had sent in paperwork before. I flaked on the first interview. (gasps) Now, he says it was due to work, but I'm not really buying that. He says, want to come on now, though? Sure. Now now he wants his Chuck and Roxy number. Very suspicious. How do I get to call in? I listen to every TK pod. Happily, we'll fill out the form again. I would love to be on the pod. 
Okay, well, at least he's willing to fill it out again. I okay. mean, things have changed maybe I for mean, him since. I, I sort of remember. I think probably he just two totally years flaked ago? out. I don't even think he called. He just disappeared. Oh. I think he ghosted us, Roxy. Uh oh. I think that's what happened. Uh oh. He ghosted us. We'll have to get to the bottom of this. But uh, of course, we're more than happy to have you back on. At Absolutely. Some point. We'll get. We'll get there. As everyone is welcome on the Loyal Littles podcast. All right, and also because you know we have to at least do one of these. Hey, what's going on? This is Elliot Olshansky, episode 111, checking in with another dad joke. Why does Elton John take his pet rabbit to the gym? It's a little fit bunny. Best regards from Suffolk County, where I am eagerly awaiting the day when my two masculine children will get that joke. So long. So a little Elton John. (laughs) Thank you, Elliot, for that. Now, let's get down to business, Roxy. Yes. Huge day. Yeah. Jam-packed, as we said. Always. So, most times, we know what that means. Uh-huh. We have a nice five mediocre minutes. They're never mediocre, though. No, they're not. These are great minutes, and there's some announcements. We're very excited. Please welcome back to the podcast, Littles, Mr. Bob Walsh. Hey, Bob. How's it going? Hey, Chuck. Hey, Roxy. How are you? Hi. We're good. Happy All to right. talk to you. Good to talk to you, too. It's always a good time, because we kind of know what that means, usually. And it's coming. <laughs> summer's spring's here. Spring, Spring has, has sprung. sprung. We know that means summer's right close behind it, uh-huh. which also means summer of little. Yeah. So take it away, Bob. Yeah. So, uh, so first of all, I just want to congratulate both of you on all the publicity that the Loyal Littles podcast is getting on the big show and everybody's calling, writing in with their episode numbers. And, uh, and I even heard basically somebody did episode TBD, which I thought was hysterical. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it occurred to me as I was starting to ramp up for Summer of Littles 5 on August 5th that your podcast has helped the Littles know each other a lot better. And that really is has been terrific. And as wonderful as knowing the Littles has been virtually, you know, over the years with respect to social media and Twitter and Facebook and whatever else they're using these days. It's also been terrific getting to know the individuals on your show and being able to listen to you and them interact with each other. But as good as your show is and as good as all the the social media is, nothing beats getting to meet the littles in person. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, thank you for that. But yeah. Yeah. And if I may, I'm going to dissect that. I mean... Thank you for the congratulations, yes. but it's all because of you, yeah. listeners. Mm-hmm. You're the ones that you're driving us the shout this. Outs. You're driving this machine, and so. we can't be more thankful for that. <laughs> yeah. So thank you to all you, Bob, that you do, and all the loyal listeners out yes. there, because you're the ones. Without you, there yeah. wouldn't be us, and so. there wouldn't be all these shout outs. So mm-hmm. keep adding those episode numbers. It's the greatest thing <laughs> I ever came up with. I thought it was going to be dumb, and it was going to fade out but within it's minutes. Taken off, so and it's kind of taken off now to the big show. So mm-hmm. we're. This is great. We're very grateful. All right. What do we need to know, Bob? Well, so uh, I just thought that because I think that your listenership has grown a lot, that it would be just sort of helpful just to sort of understand what the, you know, where this whole notion came from, because initially there was Jingle Fest. Yeah. Right. And that's Jerry Negrelli's gig. And we're coming up in seven or eight this year, I think. Yeah. And I had to be sort of persuade. I'm I'm a little bit on the shy and retiring side. And so I had to be persuaded to actually go to my first Jingle Fest. And I didn't even get there in the sense that this is when Chatter was open. I got to uh, hear Mr. Tony record the episode of the big show uh, at Chatter. And then later that afternoon, got to uh, listen and actually participate with KJ and Jason Fuse 
when they were uh, recorded the uh, the Speaking of Tangents podcast uh, in the Chatter Studio, and then was involved in sort of the first beer tasting when Robin Towie had to rent an extra hotel room so that we could <laughs> all of us could fit in for uh, for that. Yeah. And then there was a medical emergency at home, and I had to drive home. Right. And so I actually didn't get a chance to see the concert uh, on Saturday night. But you got um, to mingle. But as fast. I, yeah, <laughs> right, right. But as I was driving home, it occurred to me I was just reveling in, in how terrific the experience was, how wonderful these people were. Again, for somebody who's shy and retiring, it's a situation where you're meeting a, a new group of people. But the fact of the matter is, is that there's two things sort of that you can sort of count on in this situation. One is that all these people are smart and funny. There's not a dud in the group. And then the second thing is that there's a commonality in terms of Tony's show. And so those two things really sort of made that ice-breaking moment, those potentially difficult moments that they just didn't exist. I, I know you guys sort of experienced that same sort of thing the first Jingle Fest that you all went to. So as I was driving back home, I was reflecting on that. But I was also thinking, you know, Jingle Fest was something which was open to everybody. But, you know, there are things which prevent us from doing that. You know, that there's travel. I think of poor Adam Benson you know, up in the uh, the outer reaches who uh, would love to come to uh, a Jingle Fest, but for the fact that, uh, that the airfare is just exorbitant from where he lives. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and there, you know, everybody has family and, and those sorts of things that sort of prevent people outside of sort of the DMV to get there unless they're sort of making very, very special plans. And so the idea occurred to me, why don't we do this locally? Why don't we have uh, meetings of riddles locally? And this was back in the days when uh, Mr. Tony took the summers off. And so I picked that first Saturday of August as the middle point of Mr. Tony's hiatus and got on social media and said, let's all meet at five o'clock. And the first time we did it, there were five venues and I don't know, 50 or or so people who uh, who came and we've had it now where we've literally had venues around the world all over the united states obviously but also in england and australia two years ago we started a virtual venue so uh, a big zoom call for folks that are really isolated and can't make it so it's it's a chance for um folks to come and meet like-minded people in person and i'm hoping really because i think again the sort of the burgeoning listenership that you have I think that it's going to make folks much more willing to attend these things this year. And so I'm very excited about the fact that, you know, we might have a big turnout um, this year. And so August 5th is the day and five o'clock local time. So what really I'm doing today is asking for those folks who might be interested in acting as hosts. And hosting is no more trouble really than picking out a place for people to meet and being there at five o'clock and being willing to say la cheeserie and greet your fellow littles as they arrive. The fact of the matter is, is that I've never spoken to anybody who said that they regretted attending one of these in-person uh, events, whether it be Jingle Fest or Summer of Littles or the la cheeserie night. It seems to me that uh, Tony's got, has gathered a, a great group of people and it's, it's really worthwhile to do that. So the bottom line here basically is if you are uh, within the sound of my voice and you want to host or you're interested in just finding out what hosting is about, you can reach out to me and you can do that by, well, obviously, all the information that you need is going to be at summeroflittles.com or on the website, but you can specifically reach out at summeroflittles2 at gmail.com. That's the email address. And also on, uh, on Twitter at littlesummer2. 
So I'm hoping that uh, we get a lot of folks out there who want to host, hoping we'll get a big turnout this summer. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. We've done it twice now. Yep. So we don't know what's happening this year yet, but we've done it twice. It's been such a a pleasure. Yeah. Well, we always say we didn't really do anything. Your daughter, Maeve. I know, Maeve. Because she happens to live here in New York, too. Yeah. She pretty much did it all. But we just showed up, and it was great, and more than happy to just say, let's easy read all these people. Mm -hmm. And that's turned it around for us, too. Because Summer of Littles, two years ago, was was our our first first ever in-person event. Meeting Littles. Meeting Littles. It was great. It was Mm -hmm. amazing. So it's really easy, Littles. He described it perfectly you just pick a place yeah. your favorite bar your yeah. favorite pub your favorite whatever it doesn't even have to be a bar it can be a be a c- boat on the lake it could be a boat on the lake <laughs> talking to you missouri yep but it could also just be a park yeah you could absolutely. just go to the park uh-huh. you know and you just sit there it can be wherever yep it's a really good time absolutely. so we highly recommend it can't wait yeah and bob just to clarify the email address is summer of littles the number two at that gmail. is correct. Com. Right, right. Just want, and we'll, Littles, you'll be hearing this a lot in the next couple months. Yes. So you'll be. You'll know exactly where to go, exactly. exactly what to do. It's going to be great. But this is important that he knows now uh-huh. so he can start setting up the website because, and Bob, you pretty much, and will help too, you pretty much do all the work. You set up the website so you'll find out who's coming, if you're going to have people, because mm-hmm. people will then start signing up through the website. We'll be giving shout outs. We'll be doing plugs for your venue, yep. all that kind of stuff. So really, you just got to pick a place yeah. and we'll almost do the rest for you. Uh-huh. So. And the other thing I would just, if there's any doubt about where this thing is going, I would encourage people to go on the website and just take a look at the albums from the previous Summer of yes. Little. Oh, right. You have yeah. all these pictures, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Oh, it's it's uh, always a good time. Always. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, thanks very much for having me on the show and the cheesery. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Absolutely. So. We will soon. Yeah. yeah. All right, Roxy. Are you ready to make history? Oh, yeah. How excited are you? <laughs> I'm really excited. I, I <laughs> could bear. I don't think I'm going to be able to keep this together because this is a very special situation. Mm-hmm. So we're obviously very excited for this. We'll be right back with the ultimate. Meet the Littles. Hi, this is the great Zucchini from Bethesda, Maryland. And you're listening to the Loyal Littles podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. episode by a band called Bertrand's Wish and this song is called Narrow-Minded. Now if you like what you hear they say the best place to find all their stuff is simply on their website which is bertrandswish.com that is b-e-r-t-r-a-n-d-s-w-i-s-h.com and as always we'll play the full song Narrow-Minded at the end of the podcast. All right. 
right, all you loyal littles, it's now time to meet the littles. And Roxy. Chuck. It's early. <laughs> it's very early. It sure is. We don't care. <laughs> no. How excited are you? I'm very excited. Did you ever think this day would happen? No. There's no way. Never in a million bajillion ever, years. Ever, ever. We have probably the greatest guest we could ever have on the Loyal Littles podcast. One we've been waiting for for a very long time. <laughs> yes. I don't even know what else to say. I'm too tired to even think about it. <laughs> but please, welcome to the podcast, Anthony Irwin Kornheiser. Hey, Tony, how was that for an introduction? Thank you, Chuck. Go back to sleep. <laughs> Are you kidding me? There's no way I'm going back to sleep. Littles, he's saying this because it's early. The only way he could agree to do this was it is currently 530 in the morning. Uh, we don't care. We've already had to reset the board to zero. <laughs> we don't care. Can you hear us okay? Now, what are we doing? I'm, I'm on a handheld phone here. I'm not. I'm sitting in a studio and I can't use the microphone. Okay, go ahead. Yes, we should say Nigel wasn't able to help us out with this, but thank you so much for taking the time. You know, I got, I got to prepare for PTI. So go ahead. What are you doing? What do you say? Well, Roxy, why don't you start us off? Take it away. Oh, gosh. Well, how are you doing? Roxy. What? So I never talk about that. Roxy, that's like the one question you can't ask. Oh, really? This is not fun yeah. for me. Best oh, of no, luck. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, I ruined it. <laughs> That's okay, Roxy, oh, because no. April, April Fools. Okay, now admit it, Littles, we had you for like a tenth of a second. <laughs> that was some of the worst editing I've ever had to piece together. And acting. <laughs> um, I tried. We thought it was a good idea, and it took forever to dig up some footage here and there. And anyway, we tried. I think we got him for like maybe a tenth of a second. Yeah, but maybe. that's okay because we've got something really good coming up. Yeah, so this is going to be my next uh -huh. situation here is like, now how do we make it up to them? Right. I think we've done it. I think we have. Here's another one that if you had told me when we started this show two years ago. I know. This is one that would be on the list that I'm like, there's no way this guy's coming on the show. <laughs> but we got him and we are so thankful. Please welcome to the podcast, Andy Pollan. Hey, Andy, how's it going? I'm good. How are you guys? We're fantastic. We're great. We love this. The Littles love this. We really appreciate you taking the time. We know you don't know too much about our podcast, but that's all right. We're going to take you through it. If you could just take us back, introduce yourself to all the loyal Littles for the five that don't know who you are. <laughs> but seriously, where'd you grow up? Things like that. Where'd you go to school? All that kind of stuff. Okay. Well, uh, I was born on Long Island, Glen Cove, New York, but both of my parents were from Washington, D.C., when people used to live in Washington, D.C., they had each uh, grown up there. And so when I was five years old, they moved back to D.C., to the uh, suburbs, Bethesda. And uh, I eventually grew up in Chevy Chase. And I went to high school at Bethesda Chevy Chase High School, known as BCC, where I was a really bad football player and a pretty good actor. And I thought, yeah, I thought that maybe I might have acting in my future, like a lot of foolish people do at the age of 18. <laughs> so uh, I passed on an opportunity to go to Syracuse, which uh, is the factory for people who do what I do. And uh, the greatest in the business have gone there, including, you know, guys like Marv Albert, Nyan Eagle and on and on and on. So um, anyway, I went to American University, which is right in this area, in the Washington, D.C. area, hoping that I would stay involved in local community theater, which mm -hmm. is what I was doing. And I was on campus for about three days and they had an organizational meeting for the campus radio station. 
And I went to it. And before I knew it, that's where I was spending all my time. And I knew that that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. And so I was doing the basketball games with other people and doing various shows and sportscasts. And uh, I tried my hand at being a disc jockey and I didn't like that, wasn't good at it didn't really love music anyway. So uh, I stuck with what I like to do, and that was talk about sports. And then a guy became my roommate, and he was from Texas. He was from San Antonio, Texas. He left school in the middle of my sophomore year. We were very good friends. We worked uh, very closely at the radio station. And while he was home, because he had taken a job to do the play-by-play for the AA Dodgers, San Antonio Dodgers of the LA Dodgers, this was a AA team. And that's why he left school. He was going to do their games. And while he was home for Christmas break, getting ready for the season, he was offered a job in Port Arthur, Texas, which is about 90 miles east of Houston, a radio station that was owned by uh, what was the early days of Clear Channel Communications, now called iHeartRadio. But they built an empire around this one station that they had in San Antonio called WAI. And uh, he called me and he said, I'm not going to take this job because I want to do the Dodgers games, but you probably won't get it. I was 19 years old. I was in the middle of my sophomore year. And, uh, I, you know, he said, but it'd be a good experience for you to apply. Mm-hmm. So he actually called me on, on Christmas Eve. So on Christmas Day, I didn't do what I normally did on Christmas Day, which was eat Chinese food and watch movies. <laughs> and I went to the campus radio station and I made a tape. And I sent it off to the guy he told me to send it to, uh, Express Mail. And a day later, uh, which would have been, I guess, like the 27th, since I sent it on the 26th, I get a call from a guy with a very thick Texas accent who uh, wants to, A, give me a sports quiz, which if I pass, uh, he's then interested in hiring me. And he offers me a job in Port Arthur, Texas for $160 a week. And I said, well, yeah, that's something I would like to do, but uh, I'm going to have to ask my mommy and daddy if it's OK. <laughs> so, so I called my mother and I said, you know, I'm coming home for dinner and uh, this is what I want to do. You know, nice Jewish boy wants to go to Texas. I've never been west of Cleveland. And, uh, you know, I want to give up school and, uh, and do all this. And so, you know, we negotiated and uh, the deal was I could try it. And if it didn't work. Worst case scenario, blow a semester. And uh, the promise was that I had to finish school. So I said, okay, I would do that. And so I went off to Port Arthur, Texas. And if you saw the movie Friday Night Lights, it was quite similar to that. High school football was king. This was an area that had produced uh, many, many pro football players, including Bubba Smith and his brother, Tody Smith. Mm-hmm. And you can probably name, you know, 15, 20 other guys uh, if, you, if you you know started to talk about it. And so the guy who had hired me had actually made a promise. He said, if you stay there for a year, I'll bring you to San Antonio. And there's Trinity University where you can finish school. And that's what I did. I went to uh, went to San Antonio after a year in, in Beaumont, where I got to do a lot of interesting things, including play-by-play of high school football. And uh, I could drive to the Houston Astrodome, watch the Astros and the Oilers, which is only, you know, 90 miles away. So that was a good experience. And then I went to uh, San Antonio. And because I was going to school, I had to work overnight. So I was covering overnight crime. And that area, that city, the tabloids at that time were owned by Rupert Murdoch. And, you know, the, the old story, if it bleeds, it leads. So I would cover, you know, murders and fires and disasters, things like that, wow. and write the stories for the morning morning news on WOAI. And then I'd go off to school and try and get my classes in 
by about one o'clock or so and then go home, sleep in the afternoon, and wake up, dinner, homework, back to work. And I did that for, uh, I guess, you know, two and a half years and graduated. And uh, one thing led to another. And I went to Dallas, Texas, following the same news director who I'd gone from Port Arthur to San Antonio to now to Dallas. And that was a great experience, too. It was a news talk station. I did uh, sports in the morning. And uh, and I also did SMU basketball and I got to cover all the big sports in Dallas, the Cowboy games, the Rangers, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, in the summer of 1983, that station changed format, which happens in this business. And they had to get a room big enough to fire everybody. So we had to go downstairs to the TV studio so they could fire 35 of us at once. And I wound up coming back to Washington, coming home, still single then, and it was easy to do. And I came back and lived with my parents for a few months, and uh, one thing led to another. And United Press International, which I guess still has a name, I don't know how much it exists anymore, but it was a wire service and a radio network that they produced radio material for stations around the country, including sportscasts. I got to uh, travel, got to go to things like Super Bowls, Final Fours, things like that, and I was with them as they were making a move from New York to Washington, so it worked out pretty well. And I was with them for about three and a half years, and uh, I got married along the way. And one day I picked up the Washington Post, and there was a two-line story in there about the station that was country music that was going to go all sports. And so I called, used to have and maybe still do, uh, what they call the Blue Book. And it was for media people for the NBA, people who worked in various cities. And they would name all the people who worked at the radio stations and the TV stations and the newspaper. And it gave the office number. So I saw for WHN that there was somebody by the name of Howie Rose listed. So I called up and I must have been the 300th guy called that day. And he quickly spit out the name and the address and he hung up. And uh, (laughs) so I sent off a tape. And they hired me and we moved to New York in the summer of 1987 to help launch WFAN, the first all sports radio station where I actually became quite friendly with Howie, who's uh, not only a wonderful guy, but an incredible broadcaster. He's still doing the Mets games now, Hmm. did the Islanders on TV for a number of years. And so um, I was the update guy. Uh, And in those days, this is all part of the evolution of sports radio. There's no Internet in those days. There's no smartphones, nothing like that. So the strategy behind this all sports station was based on getting instant scores, because in those days, the only way you got instant scores was either the news stations, WCBS or WINS, and they did sportscasts 15 and 45, or there was something called sports phone. And a lot of famous people got their start on sports phone, including Linda Cohn, who's had this mm. unbelievable career at yeah. ESPN and, and many others, how he started there as well. And so you could call and for 50 cents, they would spit out as many scores as they could in a minute. And, <laughs> you know, gamblers love that. Right. And, and yeah. that's the way you got your sports. So when they launched WFAN, they said, OK, the news stations are giving it to you every half hour. You got to pay to get the scores on sports phones. We're going to give them to you every 15 minutes. So I'm coming on and interrupting talk shows every 15 minutes <laughs> to give updates on sports Amazing. Uh, and interrupting some highly paid talk show hosts. Now, the big mistake they made at the beginning was they said, oh, well, we're New York, so 
We have to have national people. Local right. people aren't good enough. And these are good people, but incredibly accomplished broadcasters. But it turned out the fit was not right for New York. So Greg Gumbel, who was a TV guy and mm-hmm. is now later said he hates sports radio. And, uh, <laughs> you know, wonderful guy, very nice guy. And whatever you may have heard about his brother, who I do not know, he was the opposite of what they have said about uh, his brother. But he did the morning show. And then Jim Lampley did the middle of the day. They had brought back a guy who was from New York but hadn't been there in many years, Pete Franklin, who was very popular in Cleveland. And, you know, they were on, uh, they were also on 1050, which is uh, a signal that are no longer on. And station lost a lot of money, didn't catch on right away. And then uh, after about 15 months, they bought uh, the NBC owned and operated stations, which included WNBC which had a morning DJ by the name of Don Imus. And Don Imus had a contract that paid him about a million dollars a year, which was a hell of a lot of money in 1987. And the contract conveyed. So if the station was sold, you had Imus. Whether you wanted to put him on the air or not, you had to pay him. Wow. Can we just say it? W-N-B-C, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's what what he said. He'd just come off of of rehab. He'd gone like on a two-week drunken bender. Uh, not long before the sale and uh, was coming out of rehab. So they said, well, you know, we're not getting any ratings with Greg Dumble and the rest of the station, and we might as well, if we're going to pay him, might as well put him on the air. And that was it. That's when things really began to click. And he, his ratings weren't that great, but he had advertisers who were loyal to him. And he reinvented himself as a political talk guy, really. I mean, he did talk some sports, but I mean, he, he understood the whole talk radio thing. He was, a, he was he's one of the smartest people, whatever you may think of what he did and eventually got him out at WFAN and landed him at WABC. He understood the radio business. He, he knew it and he right. knew how to do a show and he knew how to entertain. And along the way, when there was a, a midday show with uh, Mike Francesa and Ed Coleman, who just retired from there not long ago. And so in the early days of Imus, later on, they started running Best Of. But in the early days, they had a fill-in host. And one of them was a guy by the name of Chris Russo, who had just come from uh, working at a station called WMCA, which which tried to do talk format and didn't really work. And so he was out of work, and he was working part-time. And he was filling in one day for Imus. And he's got an interesting background. He's from New York, but he wound up being a San Francisco Giants fan. So, (laughs) yeah, his father... His father had some kind of business where he traveled and he took him on a road trip once and they stayed in the same hotel as the Giants when he was a little kid. Aww. So yeah, he, got, he got hooked on the Giants. That's and sweet. this is the last year that Don Mattingly was healthy before he hurt his back. Ah. And so he was, you know, uh, one of the top players in the American League. And Russo gets on the air one day and he's going on and on and on about how Will Clark is a better player than Don Mattingly. Francesa driving in to do his midday show is listening and he decides to walk into the studio and they begin to debate. Well, it was kind of like the moment that peanut butter met chocolate and Reese said, you know, we can make a candy bar out of this. And and they became the afternoon show. And uh, and that's when things really launched. Unfortunately, along the way with all of this, I lost my job there because when they had merged the station, they had to eliminate some positions. So uh, here I was with a uh, two month old baby and a six month old mortgage and wow. I had to scramble, but uh, I wound up going back to UPI in New York and stayed with WFAN part-time, did weekends there. 
And this is how the business works. The guy who had to do the dirty deed of firing me was later downsized out when uh, Jeff Smullyan, who owned the station, bought the Seattle Mariners. And he's probably the only guy who ever lost money uh, on baseball. And so he had to make some changes uh, in his business. So he eliminated some positions, including the general manager by the name of Scott Meyer. And Scott Meyer later became consultant for two brothers named Steve and Mitchell Rails. Mitchell Rails recently in the news now because he may be partnering up to possibly buy the Washington Commanders. But at that time, uh, there were two uh, very successful young businessmen, and they looked at the success of WFAN, and they said, let's do this in Washington. So they hired Scott Meyer, who had been the general manager at WFAN, who had to uh, lay me off, and he called me and said he was working on this project and would I be interested in it and so forth and so on. And I said, well, yeah, I said, it's a good thing that when you fired me, I didn't tell you to F off. And uh, (laughs) and said, I wouldn't blame you if you did. But that was also an illustration of of what goes on in this business. Never, ever burn a bridge. Absolutely. And so I come in and um, I'm hired to help hire talent and get the thing off the ground and one of the things I said, and I didn't know him, I just seen him on the sports reporters. And when I was in New York, uh, I used to pay a dollar and a quarter to go across the street to uh, Penn Station to buy a copy of the Washington Post so mm-hmm. I could read his column on Tuesdays. This guy, Tony Kornheiser. And I said, you know, you really would be smart to talk to him. And he said, oh, we, we've already begun that. And so Tony comes in and he's Tony, you know, eh, I don't know how this is going to work. Uh, we'll see. Uh and I need somebody with me. I can't, I can't do this alone. I had done some of this in New York with a guy by the name of Richard Lear in the mornings. And I'd also filled in on the IMA show doing updates there. And I got to watch how Charles McCord operated. And he was the sidekick. He was not the co-host. He was the sidekick. And so I kind of knew what the job entailed. And then Tony's probably said this. We actually had the, uh, the luxury of doing rehearsals. Most stations don't have this. But because this was the new station, it was changing over from simulcasting classical music to this format. We had about two or three weeks of rehearsals. And the first rehearsal, uh, and I sat with him, I said, hey, you know, you can really do this. I said, this, you, you're good at this. <laughs> and he was, you know, so a little surprised by it, but he, uh, you know, one thing, you know, it took some time to get his footing and everything and, you know, how he wanted to do it, but he had definite ideas of what he wanted to do. Sure. And right. so, you know, we got off the ground and a lot of people were listening and he is one of two really big names that we had, James Brown, yep. who was also doing a, a show there. So got some attention and, uh, you know, feedback was good right away. He said, well, that's fine but I'm only going to do this for two weeks because Lupica says it's going to hurt the column. And well, two weeks has turned into what? 30, 31 years now. Don't forget the tax. It's Uh, amazing. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, let's tease that actually, because we're going to get a lot more into Tony, obviously, but let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with meet the little. This is the loyal littles podcast. With Chuck and Doxy. <laughs> and Keith Ammerman. Keith Ammerman. <laughs> Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast. And Roxy, how lucky are we? 
I, this is incredible. I mean, I, this is so much more than we ever thought we were going to get. I know, <laughs> that's this for is sure. Awesome. So we just started getting into Tony. Now, obviously, the relationship with him. Why don't you continue on with that? You know, like you said, it went on for 30 more plus years at least. Yeah, I was in the uh, the early years. So now I guess people who listen, I'm sort of like uh, the Richie Cunningham older brother who uh, disappeared after a few <laughs> right. episodes. But, <laughs> <laughs> you think about but, that. I yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, yeah, the show was local. The signal of the station was never great, and that was an issue. And as the programming evolved and James Brown got bigger and bigger and had to leave the station because he just didn't have the time to do the radio anymore, and you know, other people came in and out, and, and Tony remained, and he was doing a show from 10 to 12. And he took every Thursday off because on Thursday he would start his style column, which mm. he said was the hardest thing to do. It was a humor column. And if he didn't get a big start on a Thursday and it was due Friday, he was in big trouble. So he didn't want to be pushing himself up to a deadline. So that was all part of it. But he was so good that they lived with that. You know, we'd have fill in hosts on Thursday or I do it some of the time. And then um, the general manager of the station, Bob Snyder, came up with this idea, which was great, is that, you know, he was so good in, in that time slot that you wanted to put him in a drive time. Well, he wasn't going to do the morning and we already had. At that point, we IMIS was syndicated, so we were carrying that. And the plan was to expand it to three hours, that he would do the show from 10 to 1, and that they would rerun it in the afternoon. And I would do updates, which would be replaced with further updates in the afternoon. And unless something enormous happened, like, you know, one of the coaches in town got fired, it would pretty much hold up. And so it ran twice a day. It was six hours of Tony every day, wow. <laughs> except for Thursdays. And so, you know, and even even with the, and this is, you know, again, Tony Mishigas, uh, <laughs> worried about getting to the paper in time. So even though the show ran till one o'clock, we would tape the 12 to one hour in the morning at 8.39 o'clock. And people driving home in their cars, you know, listening from, I think, I think it was a four to seven show listening, you know, six to seven are hearing material that was taped at eight thirty, nine o'clock in the morning, but they didn't care. It was Tony. They liked it. And then in 1997, I guess. So we've been doing this, uh, I guess over five years and ESPN got interested. Uh, ESPN initially was just a weekend radio programming. They're, they're TV people, and I don't think they've rarely ever fully embraced radio. They do it, but they've never really become a radio company per se. And so they were ready to expand their programming. They had a woman by the name of Nancy Dinellen, who went by the fabulous sports babe. <laughs> you know, and she was doing a show, and they wanted another show to go along with. So one thing led to another, and he was hired by ESPN to do the show. And he was good enough to take me along as the sidekick. And uh, we did that for, uh, I don't know, five, six years on there. And then, you know, PTI got off the ground. And part of it was that it's getting to be too much, both a, a three-hour radio show and the, and the TV. Yeah. But on top of everything else, he was button heads with a, a certain management guy who later was booted out the door. And so he decided to leave uh, at the end. I think it was like 2004, 2005, something like that. And so then uh, he did stop doing radio for a little while, then came back and did local for some years, and then went to Monday Night Football in 2006. 
And when he came back, he came back wanting to do a different type of show. And uh, I really haven't been involved in the show on a regular basis since, I guess, 2006. Wow. But And then, I guess, in 2000. 15 or 16 he left the station yeah. to simply do a podcast right. and uh, that yeah. that seems to suit him very well yeah. wow 2006 has it really been that long 2006 since he left yeah um for monday left night doing, football. Do, to go do monday wow. monday night football yes yeah wow time flies <laughs> it sure does i i just don't, i don't feel like it's been that long mm-hmm. but yeah i guess so well, here's how i know it because i was driving my daughter to college and we stopped in a hotel and i watched his first game from the, from wow. the hotel room. wow that's amazing yeah. Now, the listeners would kill me probably if I didn't at least approach this, if, it, if you're okay talking about the whole Andy Poley thing. Is that so? Oh, <laughs> is that so? Yeah, I've told this story before, but yeah. here's the evolution of that. This was prior to when the show went to ESPN. So it started on ESPN at the beginning of 2008. So this, this would have been the <laughs> summer of 1997. The show went to ESPN in 1998. So... Rafael Palmero was the first baseman for the Baltimore Orioles, and he was coming up for free agency. And the discussion was, well, if you want to keep him, it's going to cost you $10 million a year. And at that time, that was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was getting older. And the caller called me on a weekend show and said, the Orioles have to do everything they can to bring Rafael Palmero back. And I said, well, you know, $10 million is a lot of money. I don't think I would do that. I would be ready to move on. I know there's no salary cap in baseball, but committing that kind of money to an agent for a basement doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. So uh, Rafael Palmero winds up signing with the Texas Rangers, where he runs into somebody by the name of Jose Canseco. (laughs) Uh, Fast forward about a year, less than a year. We're on ESPN radio. And believe it or not, at that time, Tony was taking phone calls. And some guy called up to uh, talk about something else. I don't know what it was, but he said, "Uh, Tony, do you mind if I say something to Andy? And he said, "Uh, sure. And at this point, you know, Palmero's hitting like 350, leading the league in home runs. (laughs) And and, and he says, have you seen the numbers that Jose Canseco is putting up? I said, yes, I have. He said, Andy Pulley, you are an idiot. (laughs) So, uh, Dennis Horrigan, who was the producer of the show, really liked that. And in radio, they have something called an instant replay machine. So you can take a soundbite, a real short one like that, and put it on so it's just on a button on this machine. And so Dennis liked to, you know, whatever he felt like it, uh, whatever I said something that was, you know, they thought was stupid or funny or whatever, he would play that. And that sort of became, uh, you know, (laughs) if, if that's on my tombstone, well, so be it. I that's mean, the there was a website at one point that's oh now gosh. defunct. Um, and then because we kind of did some homework on it, because that was way before my time too, even listening mm-hmm. to Tony and stuff like that. So is this real? I found this on the interwebs, as they say. Andy Poley's rules. Rule number one, all computers are different. Do you know anything about these? Yeah, well, it, it may have been something I said. Oh, okay. Air. Again, I see. We're going back to the late 90s, so sure. maybe they yeah. were at that point. Rule number two, big screens skew the TV ratings. Big screens equal lower ratings with more people watching one TV. Rule number three, leather seats in your car are a waste of money. Rule number four, $200 a year for his clothing allowance. Okay, do you want me to explain each of those things? Oh, well, I didn't even know if they were yours or if this was just something Somebody that was made up. up. Uh, it's up to the you. TV, that, well, we were talking about TV ratings, and yep. I was you know, saying that, especially with and football was going down at that time, believe it or not, mm-hmm. uh, that more people were gathering for big screen TVs, sure. thus yeah. one TV on instead of multiple TVs. Right. Again, I, 
uh, this is just you know it's spitballing. I don't know whether well, it's that's common true sense. Or not. Yeah, right. Sense to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. The leather seats. Yeah. Um, <laughs> shortly after, shortly after we went to ESPN, and yes, I, I was making more money at that point. I bought a new car, and I bought a Honda. And I bought a car that did not have leather seats and Tony had a big issue with that. So, you know, he uh, took off on me, but, you know, I wasn't making anywhere near the kind of money that he was making that I had two young children at that time and, you know, other, yeah. <laughs> other expenses. So I was happy to have a new car and right. didn't sure. have leather seats. So, so that was, uh, what, what was the, uh, what was the third one? Uh, the $200 for your clothing oh, budget. Oh, $200. Yes. I was talking to Kevin Sheehan, who I worked with as well for a long time. Yep. And I just said, you know, here I am. And at that point, I guess it was in my late forties, early fifties. And I said, you know, I, I have this job where I don't have to get dressed up for work. And, you know, I wear jeans and shirts and with nothing, you know, no price suits <laughs> or anything. And I said, you know, realistically, I probably spend about $200 a year on clothing. So somehow when it got back to Tony through Kevin, it was a $200 a year clothing budget. And <laughs> prior to PTI, that might have sailed through. But at that point, Tony was doing, you know, the show and he's you know, got to wear nice clothes every day. And I guess David Aldridge told him at some point, you can only wear something on TV like seven times or yeah. something. And yeah. Yeah. you have to get rid of it. So I think Tony would agree with this is that, you know, he's still the kid that grew up on Long Island and still the guy who was struggling along as a newspaper guy and once drove a Pinto and all that, that, that never leaves you. Right. And I think yeah. it was mind blowing to him how much money he was spending every year on clothing, even though he can afford it. Yeah. And so to think that here's a person who's supposedly, and I didn't say this, I just said, I think that's about what I spend that has a $200 a year clothing budget. Well, that became a big thing for material on the right. show as well. <laughs> See, Roxy, it can be done. I guess. That's about what I spend, I feel like. And she makes fun yeah. of me for it. Andy, we can't thank you enough for all these stories. This has been incredible. We really appreciate it. As you know, though, we are the Fun Dumb Podcast. So if you don't mind, can we ask you some fun dumb questions? Sure. All right. Yeah. Actually, real quick before we do that, we never got into some one of our other normal things. Oh, yeah. Because the listeners might want to know, where does your fandom lie? Like, what's your favorite sport, your favorite team and stuff like that? Oh, well, yeah, I grew up in Washington. And, you know, when I was a kid, the Washington Senators left town when I was 13 years old. Right. And we did not get a basketball team until 1973 when I was 15 years old. The uh, Baltimore Bullets moved here, the hockey team, and I'm still not a huge hockey fan, but they didn't start until 1974. So in the, like the sweet spot of youth, you know, when you're in your low teens, mm -hmm. we had really one professional team. It was the mm -hmm. Washington Redskins yeah. and Maryland basketball was getting good. Then I got interested in that as well. So yeah, I've had a lifetime love hate affair, especially right. hate in recent years with the team. And I probably can tell you more about the history of that organization than, than most people. So yeah, that's the, wow. my favorite sport and team. Yeah. Excellent. All right, Roxy, start us off. Okay. If you could have dinner with anyone from history, who would it be? Dinner of anyone from history. Oh, okay. I'll give you one. And this is, this is an old reference. Steve Allen. I think Steve Allen was brilliant. Now, I, I'm again, I'm not a big music guy, uh -huh. but he was just is such a Renaissance guy. He could do anything. Yeah, I mean, he he would be one and and someone I actually knew a little bit 
and would love to have had dinner with him, never did, but did spend time with him. Steve Sable. I think he was an absolute genius and doesn't get enough credit for how popular the NFL is. Excellent. Amazing. All right. So Roxy does the fun. Chuck does the dumb. <laughs> if you could be a cartoon character for a week, who would you want to be? Cartoon character for a week. Did they, uh, they ever make a Hugh Hefner cartoon? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. That'd be funny. Yeah. You heard it here Jeez. first, Littles. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. No, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess some people compared me to Fred Flintstone. Maybe I, I, maybe maybe that might be somebody I'm going to be. I don't know. That's a good. He's got Do nice you bowl? Are you a good bowler? Toes, right. And, uh, well, I have bowled, but I, okay. I wouldn't say I'm a great bowler. No. Right. All right, Roxy, nice. what's next? Okay, what do you think is the greatest invention of all time? You know, we used to do this on Tony's show, and we used to call this the poll at the end of every show when he did take phone calls. Ah. It would be something like this. Oh, okay. And having grown up in Washington, which has the most stifling summers because of the humidity, not necessarily the heat, but the humidity, you'd have to say air conditioning. I mean, how how, how possibly – I can understand – and I did get by in my summer in Beaumont with a car that didn't have air conditioning. Uh, I was young and poor. But in terms of an office, I don't know how you could possibly do any work in, in an office. And, you know, I've heard stories from my father, who's now 94, about uh, going to the park at night to sleep. You yeah. Know, just to you know, get out. But I, I, I can't imagine life without air conditioning. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> That's my answer. And, yeah. Well, I mean, there's some good ones now, you know, internet, things like right. that, all that stuff, the wheel, <laughs> you know, the basics, but no, I agree. Air conditioning. If you were invisible for a day, what would you do? Ooh, if I was invisible for a day and I've never really given that much thought, you know, I, for what I do, I'm pretty much invisible now. You know, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a voice on the radio yeah. and, and sometimes when you're around TV people and, you know, when, when you used to be with Tony in public, it was, you know, so there's a tinge of jealousy there, not a lot, but, well, how about that? Look at all the people. But then after a while you realize that's nah, probably better if, if you're, <laughs> if you're not like Michael Jordan would say, you know, you, you may want my life for a day. You wouldn't want it for a year. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Yeah. So, so, mm-hmm. that's so I, yeah, I mean, if yeah. I, I was invisible, I'd probably keep doing what I'm doing. Okay. okay. Good. Well, let's end with some rapid fire. Coke or Pepsi? Uh, I try to stay away from it as much as I can, but if I had to pick one, it would be Coke. Okay. Bewitched or I Dream of Jeannie? Well, uh, my daughter's name is actually Samantha. Aww. But the issue there is she's already taken. I mean, she was <laughs> she uh, was married to Darren, yep. I guess. Yep. Yeah. Um, and also, this may be the only show which changed dicks in the middle of the series. Well, because sure it was, well ironically, our follow-up it, question is old, old Darren, Darren or, or new Darren? Darren. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Dick Sargent, Dick right. York. Yes. But yeah, I mean, and by the way, there was a there was a story in the New York Post about Barbara Eden stepping out the other day and at 91 still getting it done. Wow. I mean, it's ah. yeah, <laughs> it, it's remarkable. So I would say I probably watch more of, of I Dream of Jeannie. So I, I would go in that direction. Okay. Cool. All right. Crunchy or smooth peanut butter? Crunchy. Excellent. Star Wars or Star Trek? Not a huge fan of either one, but probably more Star Wars. You know, I'm old enough to have watched Star Trek, but didn't really get into it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And how about Uranus jokes? Not funny or never not funny? Oh, they're they're almost always funny. <laughs> All right. And, okay. uh, Excellent. And I don't know who writes them, but, but I know <laughs> I know most of the staff over there over the years, particularly Bonnie Burko. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, the show. Tony loves them. We love it. That's yeah. our favorite moments on PTI. That's yeah. the greatest. Yeah. Because yeah. we know how much Wilbon hates them. Right. So that's why we love them. Yes. So, of course. Yeah. Uh, Andy, can't thank you enough. Take a quick second, plug everything. Now, you have a book, too. We didn't even talk about that, right? Yeah, I have a book that sold as, you know, well into the dozens. It's a, actually, it was a book that they called me. There were two guys in Philadelphia uh, who worked for WIP. They wrote the great Philadelphia book of sports lists and they were on sports radio. So uh, this would have been, I guess, about 2007 or so. Somebody called me from a, a publishing company and they wanted to do this at various cities around the country. And they wanted somebody who was on sports radio to co-write it or write it himself. And I said, well, I've never written a book. I don't know if I can do this. So they said, well, get somebody to help you. And I called Len Shapiro, who was a longtime writer at the post. And he and I put together a book of lists. So it's, it's not really writing a book. There's a Tony list in there mm-hmm. um, and great Mr. Tony moments, but it's called the great book of Washington, DC sports list. And while it was highly successful in Philadelphia, it did not achieve what they were hoping to in the other cities. Like I think they did Detroit, New York, Cleveland, there may have right. been another one or two in there, but I'm happy that I did the book. It was a lot of work for not that much money, but I'm happy that I, I have that and I'll always have copies of that book yeah that's great and you're on twitter and stuff like that right i'm on twitter yeah andy poland one and i'm also on uh, facebook and uh, i do a show from (laughs) this has sort of been my my radio career in washington with tony a lot of fill-in so i do a show every day from 9 a.m to 11 but two days a week i do it from 9 to 12 because those are the two days that tony doesn't do his podcast which is usually tuesday and thursday thursday right yep so I do three hours then, and uh, you know it's uh, it's different. I don't take calls. It's uh, you know it's just stuff I put together and and just talk. And what's that called? It's called the Andy Poland Show, and it's uh, and and after forty five years in radio, it's the first time I've had a show with that title. I've had Aww. a That's lot amazing. of different shows, but nothing with my name on it. Well, oh, congratulations. Yes. Well deserved. Absolutely. And yeah, well, I mean, it's not something I seek out, but uh, they, they, <laughs> they, they, and the whole the whole business of radio has changed. Right. dramatically yep. uh we're on an am station which most people don't listen to anymore so a lot of my listening is done by people on podcasts yeah. and i have done some podcasts as well but somebody puts together like the the best of the two hours and i hear from my friends who even my age they're listening while they're walking or you know taking out the dog or whatever mm-hmm. so yeah. well andy thanks again we know the littles are going to love this and as an homage to the big show we'll get you out of here on this over or under Toilet paper definitely over. Right. Oh, okay. okay. All right. That's excellent. That's where we, I lie anyway. All right. Thank you, Andy. We really appreciate the time. Well, thank you for having me on. It's good to talk to you. And, you know, anytime an old man can just sit around and spew, uh, it's a good day. Well, we oh, love excellent. it. We really appreciate it. All right. All you loyal listeners. We'll be right back. I'm Christopher Giannini from Memphis, Tennessee, and you are listening to the Loyal Littles Podcast on the WTFC podcast network welcome back to the loyal littles podcast and thank you andy poland andy poley for coming on <laughs> to meet the littles how great was that roxy it was so great now i understand i, I hope that was a good trade-off for us not having tony on <laughs> <I know>. uh, <laughs> but anyway we really appreciate it it's always a good time before we get to the emails roxy we have some announcements yes we've, we do. we've held this off long enough and there will be no April Fools here. No. Okay. No. Because we have some very that important announcements. That segment is over. That segment's well, may- maybe. Maybe. All right, we'll see. No, it is. 
Uh, we have to get to our championship final bracket names. Yeah. I know a lot of people are waiting for this. And these are sponsored by Larry Marshall from Foothills Collective. Now, he's the guy that sent in all the coasters. Yep. And he sent some to us. They're graciously. beautiful. They're beautiful. I don't, he calls them rejects. I don't know why. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to send some of these out for prizes. Okay. So we can't even say we have mediocre prizes anymore. No, they're great prizes. But anyway, if you are not in the running for a prize and you would like to get your own, don't forget to head on over to Etsy. It's foothillscollective.etsy.com. Or you, I think he said you can just go to Etsy and search Tony Kornheiser. Yep. I think he said you can do that too. Yep. But that's the website. We'll have that in the show notes. Head on over there. Get yourself a... I don't know how they come. I don't know how many you can order. If you can just order yeah. one or you have to order a, a set or whatever. But just go check it out. Head on over there. Check it out. And we thank Larry for his support of the podcast. And here we go. You want? I'll do one. You do one. Okay. All right. I'll go first. The first finalist of the championship final bracket names. And we'll have our winners next week. 83. Hello, Choxy. I'm Greg Garcia's agent. <laughs> that is a good one. It's a fairly good one. All right. And that is up against Roxy. Chessie ate my bracket. Those are our two finalists. Those are in no particular order, by the way. I I keep forgetting to say that. Oh, yeah. They're just Um, the top two. Just random top two. (laughs) And we will announce our winner on the next episode of that, along with our Loyal Littles Podcast Tournament Challenge bracket winner. Yeah. You know, all of them. The losers and the winners, actually, we should say. Fingers crossed I come in third. Yeah. That could happen. That'd be great. Especially if Connecticut Not comes second. Through. Second is the first to lose, so. Sure. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, and then before we get to the emails, let's uh, do a tiny little suggestion. We got this from John Michael Hersey. He's a frequent musical guest that sends in his music to the show. Mm-hmm. This is interesting for us, Roxy. I mean, I don't think we'll be able to go to this, but he says, I'll be playing the role of Sidney Brule in the Iona University Theater Ensemble production of Death Trap, Ooh. April 20th through the 23rd. He says, join us for the fun. So I have a little link I'll post in the show notes for ticket if you're around Iona College. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that could be fun. I've never seen Death Trap, actually. I don't think I have either. So that's our tiny little suggestion for this episode. Let's get to some email. Now, we're going to start with uh, you know who. Okay. But let let me, I'll read the first one. It just says, Dear Choxie, I completely forgot to tell you, I went to the grocery store this past weekend and on the list was peanut butter. Our family is very specific and only purchases the mega jug of Skippy Natural Creamy Peanut Butter. Okay. It's a long story, and honestly, I can't surmise the story in a version that even makes sense, but here we are. Anyway, I found none of our variety. I then looked for our variety in a smaller size. None. (laughs) Really? Then I looked for any size of creamy. None. Then any brand of creamy. None. (laughs) It's a sign. Episode 178. This is a sign, I'm telling you. What was left? Honey peanut butter in every size. Variation and brand of crunchy peanut butter. All I could think the entire time was how Chuck would be, A, laughing all the way to the register, (laughs) and I think he means two here. He says B, but telling me how it should have been on the form. We got a sub-brand and variety and size, and I thought a riot was going to break out when certain people in my family found the quote, peanut butter that I purchased. <gasps> Episode 178, A-B-T-A-H-S. Then he writes, P.S. Challenge Accepted. Ooh. Now, here we are. Now, we yeah. all, I don't know if we remember what the challenge was. Now, here's the problem. He accepted the challenge. He did the challenge. It failed, but he didn't really get it right. <laughs> you didn't do the challenge correctly, so we're reissuing the challenge. Yes. Okay, now, I still don't think it's going to work. Because he writes in here, well, I'll read it. He says, Dear Choxy, challenge accepted and challenge defeated. Unfortunately, TK knows my email address, 
but here is what I exactly sent. He sends the email, which we all heard on the big show. If yeah. you're listening to the big show. Oh, he does say, don't ever say I don't love you. Episode 178. <laughs> now, here's the problem. You said Chuck and Roxy episode 178. That's not what we said to do. We said you should just write episode blank. Like episode what you 178. Do with us. Right. And then put the initialism. Oh, that's a that's a double yeah. challenge. Yeah. I don't even I you take that for what it is. I think you should just try write an email and just sign it episode 178. That's it. Don't nothing no mention of Chuck and Roxy. No. Just episode 178. Like you do with us. And I think he probably won't read it. <laughs> I mean, he'll probably still know it's you, so he'll probably still well, say because now, I guess who you are. He but said, so that challenge can go out to other littles. I just think it would be funny if Tony's reading this great email about Chessie, <laughs> about anything, and all of a sudden it says, this is from episode 225 because we don't have one yet. There you go. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I think that would be funny. I'm probably pushing this whole thing too far. But all right, Roxy, who's next? Next, we heard from Tony Beeson, episode nine. He says, just doing a little bit of research on IMDb about Lil Abner, and it was interesting to hear some of the casting on this. Not only was Julie Newmar, Catwoman from Batman, in it, so was Donna Douglas, who went on to play Ellie Mae Clampett on The Beverly Hillbillies. Tina Louise, Ginger from Gilligan's Island, had played on Broadway with this cast, but turned down the movie role. Interesting. Now, he also was texting me about that, and he said he wanted to know why you didn't know about it, because he sent the uh, movie preview to me, and it's got a ton of dancing in it. But as I said to him, there was no tap dancing that I was aware of. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I know who Ellie Mae Clampett is, and I'm obviously Ginger from Gilligan's Island, but... Yeah, I didn't know anything about Little Abner. Yeah. Now it's, I do. It's de- it's interesting. I Look, the, I was telling him, ironically, in Ohio, I saw a really bad community theater production of it, and that's uh-huh. the only time I've ever seen the show. Oh. So you can't, that's not always a good way to judge a show. Right. You know, based on a community theater right. production that was probably terrible. So I've never seen like a real professional production of it. So maybe. No, I mean, I, I think I want to see this now because, you know, maybe there's some good dancing in it. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it kind of reminded me of like Seven Brides for Seven Brothers type of thing. Oh, that kind of, yeah. then yes, I think yeah, I would that really enjoy that. So. Uh-huh. All right. Then we heard from Jamie Armada, episode 153. Now, remember when I was talking about the people passing me on the marathon and uh-huh. half marathon or whatever? He writes in, hi, Choxy. Sure, people pushing strollers, crushing you on runs is irritating, but this was actually demoralizing. Milwaukee has a cool annual event called Storm the Bastille, a 5K held downtown on the first night of the annual Bastille Days Festival in July every year. It starts at 9 p.m., and most folks have already had a few drinks before the run and definitely (laughs) a few after the run. The middle of July can be dicey when it comes to weather. A few years ago, I'm doing the run, and even at 9 p.m., it's still like 90 degrees with a heat index of close to 100. As I'm slowly winding my way through downtown Milwaukee, hoping I don't die, at about mile two, (laughs) out of nowhere, a group of firemen in full fire suits, fire helmets, masks, and air tanks on their backs come blazing past me. What? The crowds lining the streets cheer. But all of us runners at the end of the race course roll our eyes and the lady a little up from me yells, show offs to the laughter of the crowds. Cool. We get it. You're firemen. Don't you have enough going on for you to instead of embarrassing half drunk people? Did you even register for this race or did you just band it? I don't see a bib. Cool jerks. T W R T M B M. 
is the head track coach at one of our Special Olympics organizations. She justifies all of her running, shoe, clothes, gear, under the guise of she, quote, needs it for track. Sure. We are dinks. Dual income, no kids. Never heard that expression. That's what we are. I know. That don't need to justify any sort of minimal expenditures for any reason other than, I quote, wanted it. (laughs) Unless it's like a car or something. But it makes her feel better about having four different weights of running vests. So whatever. My point, Roxy, is you could take an hour a week and volunteer as a Special Olympics track coach and any running related purchases are guilt free. They sure are. He signs it, Jamie Armada, episode 153, hockey. Never heard of it. <laughs> P.S. I took this picture of one of the firemen while running. Cool jerks. And yeah, he sent this picture. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's, it's kind of blurry, it's so good. but it's really good. All right, Roxy, sadly, that's all the time we have. We did get a, a long email from Craig Sheramita in uh-huh. regards to his wife's episode, the sure. last episode. So I, I'm just going to touch upon some of this. He says there were, he sent a whole bunch of corrections, <laughs> which I thought was funny. They he weren't said, for us, right? No, he says these corrections slash amplifications is not a result of the interviewer, but rather the person being interviewed. Oh. So I, he's basically throwing his wife under the bus here. <laughs> it said it must be remembered she is getting old and her birthday was two days ago. Whoa. So that makes her a year older. Whoa. Um, so and he goes into the whole the first time they met and everything. Uh-huh. So I, I'm not going to go all the way into this. And I think it's funny because I think we could beat them at the newlywed game. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, that would be Basic, fun. We based should try on this. It. He also says that he goes on to Tokyo. He did say apparently what she failed to mention was that she was loitering and she had a camera with a telephoto <laughs> lens, which probably didn't help. <laughs> oh, and then he says, Roxy, he misses the anchor ad. Roxy, oh. do you miss anchor? Anchor? I don't even know her. What she's a re, Greg, episode 154. All right, Roxy, tell everyone how they can get in touch with us. You can hop on over to our website, loyallittlespod.com. Everything is there. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can write in our guest book. You could send us a message. You can in, or Everything is you there. can send in questions. But you or know what dad you can't jokes. do on our website? What can't you do? You can't give us a nice rate or review if you listen on Apple. So make sure you head on over there to Apple and iTunes and do that. We really appreciate yes. it. That really helps a lot. Uh, Can you imagine if we started getting rates and reviews on our guest book? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, we do kind of, actually, now that I think about it. We kind of do. But you know what I mean. It's not like four stars, five stars, all that kind of stuff. Oh, Roxy, we should probably talk about the schedule. Roxy's going away for the weekend. And then you have to head up to Connecticut as soon as you get back, like on Monday or Tuesday. So we might not have an episode on Tuesday. We might. We're not sure yet. We're not sure. We might not. If we don't, we'll probably drop the next day available to us, which will probably be Thursday. But you never know with TK's schedule because, as you know, we don't drop on the same day he does out of respect for the big show. I think I covered everything. I think you did. Sadly, we did not even talk about baseball. And there's for good reason. And everyone knows. And, man, we got bashed by the DMV people because we played Baltimore first and well we just know the Red Sox are not good so anyway but I am glad baseball is back oh we're very glad baseball is back but Mm -hmm. hopefully we'll turn it around today but the home opener did not go well for us that's all I can say but anyway good on Baltimore good for you hopefully that's the only game you beat us all year and (laughs) we're just glad baseball's back and it was so great to see all the posts on Facebook and Mm -hmm. all that stuff it was really great so Anyway, we hope you had a good time here on the Loyal Littles podcast. Thank you, Andy Poland, once again, for coming on to Meet the Littles. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, as always, if you are out shopping online this weekend, don't forget to use the code LLPOD. Bye. How many episodes (laughs) do these people do?
podcast is produced by the WTFC Podcast Network and edited by Louis B. Crocco. And the Loyal Littles podcast logo is designed and drawn by Eric Lonergan. It's a good thing that when you fired me, I didn't tell you to F off. Oh, yeah.